Hi there. Welcome to another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. Ron, ho, 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 ho. Festive season is fast approaching. Uh, We've touched on this in the past, but we had an inquiry from a listener saying, what should I be reading about as far as finance is concerned? Here we are near the end of 2020, which has been to state to understate. It's been a very interesting year. You got some recommendations for people to get their nose into a good financial book? Absolutely, Gordon. And reading is literally one of the best things that you can do. You know, if you wanted to have lunch with Warren Buffett, uh, he auctions off an hour and a half or two-hour lunch, and you have to fly to Omaha, and you end up going to his favorite steakhouse. And... For four and a half million U.S. or six million Canadian, you get to spend two hours with him picking his brain on how he thinks about things, how he invests. And I can go to the bookstore, and there's probably a dozen books on Warren Buffett and how he invests and how he thinks, and they're anywhere between 20 and and $100 each. So you can save yourself $4.4 million (laughs) by going to the bookstore. Well, and you know, I always think back to the old project literacy statement. I've used this before. The more you read, the more you know. The more you know, the further you go, right? It's just common sense. And I know you're an enormous reader. How many books did you knock off so far this year? I, I believe I'm on my 58th or 59th now. Yeah. Well, hey, we've had a lot of time to read, Ron. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I've, I'm not that far behind you, actually. And, yeah. And, you know, the surprising thing, though, Gord, is that so many people don't like to read, even in the industry they're in. I remember uh, this was a number of years ago when I was asked to give a 30-minute talk at a convention, and this was just before lunch. And so you could, you could smell the delicious food odors wafting through the convention center. Crowd was getting restless. The crowd was getting restless. And so I had a 30-minute talk, and I figured I'd cut it down to 15 minutes just because I knew everybody had been sitting there for a while. So I brought out the 10 best books that I'd ever read on investing because I was asked to to speak to a bunch of of, uh, new people about how to get your investment acumen higher really, really quickly. And so I cut it down really short. I laid the books out on the table, and just very quickly I held them up, and I said, you know, if you read these 10 books, you're going to get 10 years' worth of experience in probably one year if you can knock roughly one off every five weeks. And you're going to learn to avoid mistakes driven by greed and fear. Uh, You're going to learn to be able to cancel out all the white noise that uh, Wall Street generates. You're going to find an investment strategy that works for you. And you're going to be taught by some of the best minds in the business. You're going to learn to think for yourself. And, of course, after 15 minutes, the whole room jumped up and rushed for the door. One guy walked over to me, looked down at the books, uh, flipped one open, flipped it shut, and then five seconds later, he was gone. And so, you know, they say people now have an eight-second attention span, and goldfish can focus for nine seconds. (laughs) Doesn't speak too well of us, does it? No, and if, if you really want to acquire an investment skill and want to get good at it so that you can financially set yourself up for life, books are really one of the gateways that allow you to get there. Because unlike so many other areas of life, 
if you find somebody that's really good at what they do, they don't hide it. You know, guys like Warren Buffett and uh, John Neff, and I can go on and on and list some of the greatest investors of all time. You can buy books written by them or written about them, and they're willing to graphically sit down and describe everything that they do. So you can learn from the very best what they do and how they do it. And it's going to cost you between most books are 20 to 30 bucks. Well, as I said, Ron, in reference to Warren Buffett, years ago I did hold stock in Berkshire Hathaway, the B shares, I might point out. And I used to just foam at the mouth every year when his annual report would show up and I would get to read his essay because it was chock full of really good information. It was about why he did this, why he did that, why he thought this was a good bet, why he thought that wasn't a good bet. It was self-explanatory. And, you know, if you uh, read good books, and I try, to, uh, I try to always have my face in a good book, because the markets are something where, even if you have 30 or 40 years' experience, they're evolving, they're changing, and you have to change and evolve with them to stay current. So reading isn't just a one-time thing that you, you did at the start of your investment career. If you want to keep current and keep your investment <clears throat> boat in the mainstream, you have to make sure that you're keeping up with the good stuff that's coming out. And there's a, there's a lot of garbage out there, but there's plenty of good books that just will quantumly increase your knowledge and your ability to cope with what's going on. So that's the first one on your list here that you, you sent me a little list. Best book on investment wisdom, the essays of Warren Buffett. How about that? Yeah, Lessons from Corporate America by Lawrence Cunningham. And this is the third edition of that book. And the book takes Warren Buffett's writings and arranges them by topic. So typically, you get the biggest expose on what he's thinking each year at the end of the, uh, the annual report. He has a big, long section in the annual report on the company, Berkshire Hathaway, of what he does and why he does it. But throughout the year, also, he gives interviews. Um, he, he speaks at private events. And there's transcripts on all this stuff floating around all over the place. And so to really get a flavor of what he's doing, especially on if, you, if you want things organized and topically, there is no a central place that I know of where you can get that. But this book takes everything, and the author organizes it by topic. So, you know, if you want to learn about value investing, or you want to learn about when to sell, or you want to learn about uh, derivatives or anything, it's all by topic. It's easy to find. Okay, let's move on to the second category here, Best Books for Beginners. This book is written by Burton Malkiel, and it's called A Random Walk Down Wall Street. And essentially what he's saying is that if you think that you're going to go out and beat the market, if you think that you have a, a system or you pay $39.99 a month and you're going to get a newsletter that teaches you how to do that, you are really, really mistaken. And this book really helps you get past the hype and a lot of times the hypocrisy in the, and self-serving attitudes and of the financial industry and gives you some pretty easy to follow guidelines that don't take a, uh, a lot of time and effort to get you up and running. And then you can build on this as you go, but it's a very simple strategy of, of how to get up and running, how to properly diversify, uh, what you need in the way of ETFs to properly diversify across a portfolio, 
and um, why paying fees is going to kill you. All the, the early things that beginner investors need to know rather than 10 years later you poke your head up and go, how come I haven't made any money over the decade? So this is a very good starter book for just getting into the investment game yourself. We've talked about this a lot over the past, oh, I guess it's almost two years now on making money. Asset allocation, how do we lay out our portfolio? Are there books that will help us do that? Well, the one I, I just recently read, in fact, I finished it about three weeks ago, is called Asset Allocation, Balancing Financial Risk by Roger Gibson. And this is really a technical book on how asset allocation works. And if you look, gains come from not what stocks you pick, but what sectors and what asset classes you're in. So this book is, is if you've been investing for a while and you want to get a little bit more sophisticated on, on how to properly allocate your assets across the different sectors, uh, this is a great book for you. But it is, it's a heavy read. It's a heavy read, so a bit of a chew. Give yourself some time to get through that one. Best book on management. Yeah, the book's called It's Your Ship, Management Techniques from the Best Damn Ship in the Navy by Michael Abershoff. And essentially, he came into a situation on a destroyer where literally it was a mess. And most management techniques are portable. In other words, if you have a situation that has problems in one place, you can portably take those lessons that you learn and you can apply them to other places. So this is a book about really how to build a team uh, when in, you're just coming into a very, very dysfunctional environment. And uh, Michael Abershoff was a captain in the Navy, U.S. Navy. Uh, he goes around and speaks regularly. Actually, I think the book was uh, written about 15 years ago, and it's been regularly updated. And I finally got around to reading it this year. And if you're a manager and you're having a very tough time in the situation you're in, this is a very good book to read because it talks about building teamwork. So uh, I highly recommend it. The best book on real estate. We've talked about real estate investing in the past on making money. I know you have a lot of thoughts on it, but somebody's put some of these thoughts down in a book. Yeah, Money People Deal, The Fastest Way to Real Estate Wealth by Stefan Arneo. And this is a Canadian book, so it deals with Canadian issues in real estate, whereas most of the books on the market are U.S., and, and it doesn't always apply because the tax uh, situation down in the U.S. is much, much different, what you can deduct, what you can't. So this book talks to you about how to find deals and the people to help you finance them. So if you're thinking that uh, you, you want to think a little bigger than just buying your own home um, and that you, you'd like to get into bigger deals, how to bring people in to portion out the deal, uh, those kind of things, how to find the good deals. Uh, this is a great book on, on real estate. Well, the best one I've read in years, actually. Okay, and the final category, best book on financial history, and, and there's been a lot of that written. Yeah, Lords of Finance, Bankers Who Broke the World by uh, Liquid Ahmed. It, it actually won a Pulitzer. So this is a very, very well-written book. And it covers the financial world, the major centers between 1941, or 1914 and 19, to 1945. And the world banking centers at that time were London, Paris, Berlin, and New York. And it explores why we had the Great Depression 
and frankly, there's lots of relevance for today. So if you like reading history uh, and it's cold outside, this is a great book to curl up with because it's fairly easy to read, and uh, uh, the author um, certainly is, he won the Pulitzer, and that just gives you to, tells you about the, the quality of the, the writing. And, and the research. And the research. It's it's great book. Okay, well, there you go. And as we said, just reading is always a good idea, even if you subscribe to some kind of a financial newsletter and you get a little bit of guidance from that. And we recommended several of those over the last little while on making money. Become a bit of a, a bibliophile, if you will. Get into the books and give yourself some help financially. Ron, we had a question sent to us, and we always stress that if you have a question for us, you can reach us at letsmakemoney.ca. That's our website, or you can come to us through the cfcw.com portal where the show Making Money is uh, is carried. You can also join us there with an email inquiry. This was interested in your i got to get this up a little closer so I can read it. <laughs> I need stronger glasses. Here are your comments on fixed income, specifically your avoidance to government bonds. In a show which aired back in November, your preference was corporate bonds that pay 1% to 2% over government bonds. This gentleman says, I have even additional rate pressure once the COVID turnaround takes place. So the question is, how does an individual investor evaluate the corporate bond space? Well, I think the best way to do it at the moment is to stay short-term. And I say that because you can buy long-term Greek bonds right now, and if that isn't high risk, I don't know what is. And you're probably, over a 10-year period, getting a 1% increase over the yield you'd get on a Government of Canada bond right now. So there's very little economic advantage to be gained by taking on a lot more risk. So a 10-year Government of Canada bond is, is about 0.7%, not much. But there's one area where you can get a government guarantee and you can get higher returns. You know, there's a great website called ratehub.ca, and it essentially looks at all of the comparative GIC rates across the country. So if you're a major financial institution, you'll have your short-term and then one to five year rates posted there. So for an investor, it's a great place to go to get information on what the rates are and how to compare them across the country. Now, I went to Rate Hub this morning just before we did this show, Gord, and I find that the rates on GICs for one year are generally between one to one and a half percent. The rates on five year GICs are between about one and a half and two percent. So rates on GICs, literally, if you can get a GIC at one and three quarter or two percent, for example, you're getting two and a half times, almost three times, what you're getting on a ten year Governor Canada bond, and you're you're much, much shorter in, in term. In fact you're getting twice the rate on a GIC that you're getting on a 10-year Government of Canada bond, and your your term is uh, is 90% less. So right now, if if you're waiting to see what happens with the economy, and of course, as they print more and more money, there's going to be more and more pressure, uh, inflationary pressure. So what I've been doing is I've just been rolling over one and two-year GICs, 
and I'm just waiting for rates to go up because I just don't want to lock a large part of my money in, even though corporate bonds are a little better. And you can probably get corporate bond rates about the same rates as GIC. But if I can buy a GIC and I get the same rate as a corporate bond, but I've got a Government of Canada guarantee on it, you've got far higher credit quality. So stay with the GICs and wait. All right, there you go. Again, if you have a question, drop us a line. Let's make money.ca or through the CFCW.com website. It'll get to us, and we'll be happy to answer it down the road somewhere. We're back again next week with another edition of Making Money. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for joining us. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.